Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another session. This is the doctor speaking, dissecting the intersection between work and learning. Now, I'm returning a bit of a favor today. Uh, I had the privilege of being interviewed uh, by my guest, uh, and this was connected with UVAC. Oh, big names. I'm dropping big names, but uh, give me a chance to do that because our guest is going to be dropping some names as well. Lisa, hello. Hi, Trevor. Hi, Hat. Thanks for inviting me, Trevor. Hey, it's great to have you on this podcast. Now, I know quite a little bit more about you. Um, oh my gosh, uh, add me on LinkedIn, find Issa on LinkedIn. Uh, he's just, he's he's everywhere. He's involved in everything. So Issa, give us a, give us a little bit of introduction to yourself, uh, who, who you are and what do you do? Or what is your title? You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so um, my background has been in employability and skills for, a number of years I've, uh, when I left. So I actually failed university uh, first time around when I was in my final year of university and I did a biomedical science degree. When you fail something you and try and repeat and do the, the year again, you begin to learn a lot more about not the thing that you're trying to pass, but also the thing a bit more about yourself as well. So in that final year, I caught the the bug that people don't like catching, which is the entrepreneurial bug. And it was funny enough, it was, it was my former landlord at the time at university where I began to see how he was building a business. And I, I sort of fell in love with that. And funnily enough, I'm still in touch with him to this date, sort of 11, 10, 11 years later. And so we were talking about the time about uh, sort of entrepreneurial business, etc. And then sort of left that conversation, then finished my university degree uh, with that one year failure and then went into um, working with sort of early talent students. Initially it was just starting off as tutoring whilst I was trying to find a job or trying to find some stability but in that time I ended up discovering that I could actually do some cover work and become a cover teacher and I used becoming a cover teacher to better understand the schooling system and how it works what I didn't realize or what I didn't uh, anticipate was how how much work was needed to become a teacher so I knew becoming a teacher an actual teacher wasn't for me so I knew that quite quickly but within that period of time I, w I was asked by a few people about what I could do by a few students about what I should do for my next job because when you come in as a cover teacher you you have that outside perspective because the students see you as an outsider so they feel as though they can get away with saying things that they can get away with and but from with myself I was quite op open to talking about the different things that uh, the world can offer it was it was quite reflective not just for the individuals themselves but also for myself because at the same time I was discovering what I was looking for and I realized I had a an inclination towards working within the employability and, employability and skills space. So I ended up working for a charity um, called Sport for Life and then I ended up working within uh, an educator. It was part of, they had a, a funding, I believe, with, with local government to deliver on a uh, an education uh, syllabus, uh, education program. And I sort of helped design the education syllabus. The delivery side was quite tough for me because of the profile of the candidates, i.e. they were in gangs, they were in very hard to reach, uh, but also very hard to engage uh, clientele. That was certainly a, a learning curve. That was certainly something that really opened my eyes to act, the actual need uh, within communities. But 
it also really exposed the inefficiencies within the systems that currently exist, the systemic uh, racism that exists within society, the, particularly when it comes to those from uh, underrepresented community, underserved communities. However, I never really understood why until I started working, until I started engaging with employers, I realised employers really want the best candidates quite quickly and it sort of saves them time. But there wasn't that appetite for potential. There wasn't that appetite to see what potential was about. And then I went into working for a training provider called Pathway Group and then from there went on to, we headed up like an award ceremony there, which was a, a quite a big feat. It's a very large scale award ceremony now, but at the time it was uh, myself and two other people at the time were kind of leading on it. I did a few various projects, but it was also where I set up my, uh, if you want to call it my first venture, which was uh, BAME Apprenticeship Alliance, which was which was an apprenticeship diversity um, alliance to bring employers together to discuss apprenticeship diversity. That was very good. That was a very good experience because it got me to understand now from the company perspective, what was what was the issues regarding represent, representation in the workplace? What was the issues regarding uh, recruitment, retention, all these sort of aspects of individuals within the workplace, particularly coming from underserved communities where they're not receiving the, the support they need to be able to get some of these qualifications, some of these opportunities. And then I uh, decided, well, okay, okay, this is this is a, a very good way in which I can actually explore. We end up working with companies like Coca-Cola, to Bentley, to Royal Air Force, all sorts of stuff that I've uh, kind of worked with in in that uh, period of time. And then that that sort of led me to uh, realizing that there's a lot more work that needs to be done. So I was trying to figure out a a way in which we can have more groundwork impact. Employability, we can always we can have a round table every week about different aspects of whether it be diversity, whether that be uh, employability, whether that be recruitment, retention, attraction, etc. There's you know, there's thousands of round tables. How many more round tables do we need? We need action now. That's kind of where where I really wanted to kind of go on ground level and really help ground level. And that's uh, led to the genesis of Careers Camp. So in its previous format, Careers Camp was a an employability program. But then uh, recently, we've been using AI technology to create an an all uh, encompassed uh, employability platform for early talent to not only prepare themselves but also connect to jobs that are out there. So there's a there's a number of jobs platforms out there, and they're very good out there. I'm not going to uh, trash on them because I think there are some there's some very good ones out there. I think the bit that's missing is that the indi- individual needs to be prepared for them jobs, and that's kind of where I believe we have uh, an advantage to ensure that they are the best students. We're trying to level up uh, individuals rather than using AI, rather than uh, give them a, uh, an unfair advantage which already exists within the system today. Brilliant. We're going to find out a little bit more about that later. Um, and I, you, we've been chatting before this recording, so um, I know a little bit more about uh, this, this AI app that you're setting up. What's the sense of empathy that you bring to this saying, look, I want to work at ground level to enable all people to have opportunities. Where's the level of empathy in that from your perspective, uh, you know, from what you've experienced? Yeah, so so there's it, there's a couple of things I can kind of tap into in that um, on on them points. There, number one is yes, I come from a uh, not so well off background. I've I've been we've been through that from an from a social mobility perspective. And number two, um, the area that I, I I sort of grew up in, come from uh, sort of living around 
uh, represents an area of uh, where there's close to, if not full, social deprivation, not far from where, where I am. And what that also does is it gives me exposure to understand, not only from a personal perspective, as, I, as I've moved through the social mobility ladder. I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate now that I've travelled the world, I've seen everything and I've, I've been there, I've sat with politicians, businessmen, billionaires, to uh, your local uh, community, shopkeeper, etc. So I've got a full understanding and, and that's only touching the service. There's so much more that I've yet to learn. But I can bring, I, I, when I talk to these communities I, and when I look at these communities and use their the experiences they've got and share that with those uh, stakeholders that I engage with, I bring real real life case studies. I bring, I bring real life people's uh, experiences and lived experiences that is able to be shared because it's been it's shared with, as you say, with empathy, with um, with somebody who's been there and done been there and been through the process and and understands what it means, the impact means for the information and the actions that I bring back to those communities. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's really good um, and it's great. Um, it's not a theoretical thing that you're doing here, but but there's, a, there's I love the word lived experience. And I think this kind of feeds us into the next question, which is really good. You know, recognizing that, you know, you're not approaching this from a theoretical perspective. It's a lived experience yourself. Um, I shared a stage with a, a lady called Sophie from the 93% Club. Don't know if you've come across them. Yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah. Ah, you know, working class background and what she's achieved in her life and all those kind of things. Just it's just so inspirational. So, you know, recognizing all of this, recognizing where you come from, and we're beginning to get a bit of a feel of why you're passionate about these kind of things. Come on, brag a little bit. So so what are the things that you have achieved? You know, throw some of the big names that you've worked with, some of the accolades, some of the awards. Uh, go on. This is your brag opportunity. Yeah, no, I've had uh, I've been very fortunate to kind of work with yeah, companies from Coca-Cola to Bentley to Royal Air Force, all sorts of stuff uh, like that. And then I, I was fortunate in 2015 and to kind of win a uh, contributing uh, to apprenticeship award yeah, at a local award ceremony and then a Birmingham award and then a national apprenticeship awards, uh, apprenticeship champion of the year, which came up this year. So, um, you know, these are sort of very good, prestigious awards. But what these awards have done is it, it's allowed me to use this platform to kind of further expand the the voice that I've got, of, albeit still uh, quite small. It, it, it's, in a, it's in within a, a marketplace where people will listen and, and hear and hear the viewpoints of myself and etc. So... I mean, unfortunately, in that regard, but I've it's it's also uh, allowed me to explore new ways in which I could have impact on um, different ways. Because it, it, I mean, I'm I'm I am very impact driven. As a result of that, I've you know been on many speaking panels. I've spoken in government, in 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 House of Commons, and uh, to in Parliament. Sorry, and in within political circles, but non-political circles as well. Uh, and I say that sort of apolitically speaking, because uh, uh, there is a there is a need to kind of have a, a wider discussion across politics, but also around different political uh, viewpoints as well, because everybody has to have a role within the betterment of uh, individuals from uh, underrepresented backgrounds, but also students just generally. So th- these are some of the things I mean, I've, I've, I currently sit on the, uh, the, uh, the advisory panels for 
um, UCAS and I also and that's large on the apprenticeship stakeholder stuff and then also I, I work closely with a coffee based organization called Well Grounded uh, they do coffee training and that's all about developing an impact developing a leadership program with them so these are sort of the uh, some of the few things I've done in the past I've also sat on the contributing to sorry the um, committee member for the ladder for greater birmingham uh, apprenticeships and then i'm an outgoing global shaper so what that means is i the global shapers community is an initiative set up by the world economic forum and it's there to bring uh, sort of young people to come together and create local solutions which can be which can be exposed globally and i've you know, I've travelled with that and I've met many, many, many people with that. I've been on that. I was part of the team that helped set up the Birmingham hub, If but there's a hub in nearly every single city in the world, from India to Australia, from in, so parts of India to parts of Australia to, to many parts of America and, and Europe and here in the UK. I think in the UK, UK and Ireland, we have about eight, I think, in total, six or eight in total. Uh, so that's been, and I, when I say outgoing, I when I hit my birthday next week, then that'll be the final day for me because uh, from an age perspective, I lose my uh, ability to be part of the uh, programme. But these are some of the things that I've been involved with or currently involved with. This is so inspirational. We know the story where this all started, failing a first year degree and then exploring all your options and now just getting a feel here in 2023 recognizing what you've achieved. Um, I mean, this is what this podcast is all about this season, is thinking about career development. And I just love the fact that you faced obstacles, uh, you know, even for your own sense of, uh, you know, not imploding and, oh, I'm a failure and just giving up, but actually crossing all of that and, and look, you know, look what you've achieved right now. I, I'm hoping that we have listeners who are listening to this, thinking about their own careers, and being inspired by this, that you know, you find ways, and 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 you 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 continue to drive. What I'd like to explore a little bit more with you is is we can kind of understand where this passion for employability, for for early careers, career development comes from, but unpack that a little bit more. I mean, why is this why is this your passion? Well, what drives this? You know, as you reflect back on your own career development, you know, unpack that a little bit more for us and tell us a little bit more. Yeah, I think there was um, you know, I as I said, there, there was a uh, a natural ability to kind of w- want to see people do well, uh, irrespective of where they are, whether they be uh, in very early on in their career or if they're very well into their careers and they're still make, meeting milestones, and you feel a sense of good. And generally speaking, if you human na- in, in human nature, it feels good to see other people doing well. But also, especially people you know, just the one person when I was when I was working within a girls' school here in in Birmingham, I mentioned that to a, uh, a school leaver that she could potentially do an engineering uh, apprenticeship, and she decided she to make an application, and she was successful. And then also equally, I've got a relative at the, uh, very early on in my career when I encourage him to uh, an engineering apprenticeship. He uh, is doing; he's thriving in his career, and he's absolutely, he's very, very, very happy, and he's got a thriving career. And these are just some sort of cases you begin to see. Well, the impact of the knowledge that I've seen of the marketplace that's being shared with the community to show that look, there's an alternative route to that which was prophesized for for a lot of. Sort of South Asian communities say, look, this is what my 
a son and daughter is going to do when in reality the the marketplace has changed and you no longer need to be your doctors your lawyers your engineers your chemists or whatever it is uh, because there's so many different alternative routes out there and I've, i feel as though if i don't do that if i don't share this information with them if i don't help uh, have my impact in this and i feel as though it's, it's an injustice to the system because there's a lot of people who are not doing it too well that all that said, and you know that's the impact side and ethical side. There's also uh, a financial uh, opportunity in within this uh, these sectors because although it can be seen as the education sector doesn't have money, there's a, there's a, a vast opportunities for uh, helping individuals train in areas that they don't have the skills in to get jobs that are to be created or going to be created or have been created as well. I, I'm inspired. I really am inspired, um, and I love the way in which you, you, you again, your, your paradigm shifts even within your your kind of own local communities. Um, it's great. So, the future. You, you you already told me a little bit about this app that you're developing. Tell us a little bit more about that, and and where is uh, is it going to be in ten years' time? Uh, what, what's the aspirations? Well, ten years is a very long time because. Um, just three, just three and a half years ago, we didn't know what the, the next three years would hold and the fact that this would be possible and, and all these way routes could be possible. But currently I'm working on Careers Camp, which, uh, as I mentioned, is the all-encompassed AI-powered um, uh, employability uh, platform. And what, what we're aiming for is within the next five to six years to have uh, at least one million people using it. And... The way to achieve that milestone is by building strong partnerships with schools, colleges, universities, but also uh, ensuring that we're helping to close the uh, the equity gap within uh, accessing employment. Because certainly that's been that's a, a significant uh, reason for uh, individuals not getting access to work. So we believe that this is a route that could be done. Now that million will not only be achieved here, but there will be growth plans to have for the US or uh, and so for. Uh, abroad but we've got to take one step at a time we are we are on step two which is uh, now uh, doing our first round of trials uh, within Birmingham London and we'll have a lot more information in the next couple of weeks about how well they go before we release it for the rest of the UK sounds absolutely brilliant um, I wish you all the best for the app um, it sounds good it sounds really really good and uh, again hopefully by the time that this podcast goes out um, that will be live and running so we'll, we'll try and put the links in the description of this podcast so uh, listeners who are interested can have a look at that thank you uh, if you do work if you do work in schools colleges universities do go have a look at that link um, it might be an extremely helpful resource uh, to add and we know that uh, particularly at universities employability is a big agenda uh, which drives league tables and all these kind of things and i think everybody's always after that little silver bullet to try and help and assist their students uh, to make sure that uh, they end up in, in in good jobs isa thank you very much for your time thank you for sharing a little bit of, of your life and the, the achievements and the things that you're doing Appreciate it. No, I really appreciate. It. I really appreciate your time when we spoke uh, a couple of months ago as well. And uh, listeners, we'll see you again soon. Thanks. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to the doctor, and he just dissected the intersection between work and learning.